Oh, what is up? Welcome to Bring in the Backups. I'm your host, Eric Helwig. On the show today, but I don't have any time to fuck around on the intro, guys. It's a packed show. Let's start. Brendan Sagalow is the comic in the house. Very funny out of New York. Brendan Sagalow on Instagram and Twitter, at Brendan Sagalow. His new album, Not Now More Than Ever. You can listen to streaming on Spotify right now. Check it out. It's a great album. He was really fun to have on the show. So I do hope you guys hang out and listen to the whole thing. We had two buddies come on the show today, too. Isn't that fun? My wife, Liz Galalis. You know her. At Liz Galalis on Instagram and Twitter. Give her a follow. And then my buddy Gary Denoya comes in. Remember Gary from episode... Five or six, somewhere back there, we bitched about the Jets for an hour. He was my first remote podcast. I I picked him because I knew I'd fuck up the uh, I'd fuck up the recording because I was nervous and I, I value his time the least. <laughs> Sorry, Gary. No, I'm kidding. But uh, you know, I did fuck up his a couple days in his life. So hook him up with a follow on Instagram at Paradenoia. That's at Para P A R A Denoya. Our backup quarterback, Bubby Brister. The boys in Pittsburgh know Bubby. Philly knows Bubby. The New York Jets fans know Bubby. And those Broncos fans. Oh, yeah, you know what Bubby Brister did, 97 through 99, backing up that horse-toothed son of a bitch, John Elway. All right, well, there go the Denver fans. Sorry, guys. Uh, Bubby Brister's the quarterback. We have some fun with that southern bastard. I got hacked. That's what they talk about on the show for the first 20 minutes. Some of you guys know that. People on my newsletter, all of you that reported the hacker so I could get my Twitter account back, thank you, thank you, thank you. That was more than I was expecting. I really appreciate it. I go into it more in the show, but you know who you guys are out there that did that for me. I truly appreciate it. Last bit of news. I'll be quick about it. The merch store is open. It's up, erichelwig.com right now. I got shirts. I got a cool hoodie. Dude, you got to check it out. Dude, I don't know, chick, whoever. I don't care, dude, chick. You could be a murderer. Anybody listening, I can't be picky about who's listening to this show. If you left the room and your dog's listening to the show, get your dog to my merch store and so he can buy a shirt he can piss on. I don't care. All right, let's start the show. This is Bring in the Backups with Eric Helwig. Ding dong, the gimp is dead. Welcome to Bring in the Backups, home of Eric Helwig, the defeater of a hacker, motherfucker. Something tells me the hacker is listening. All right? The guy who hacked my Twitter account is listening. And if he is, please don't do it again. I don't know if I mentioned it in the intro. I record the intro after I record this part. So if I remember to mention it, you'll know what I'm talking about. But old, old E-Bones got hacked. That's what happened. Someone snuck into my Twitter account. What was this, like eight days ago? It was like the Monday before last. And, uh, oh, I didn't handle it very well, buddy. It sucks. Look, social media sucks. Okay, I don't like being on it, talking on it. I think it's killing our country. You know, that's what I feel like. And I'm like, whatever benefit I get out of my career, is it really worth 
every single person in the country trying to become a, a, a woke politician? The answer is no. I think it's I think it's hurting people overall. But that said, you know, you got to play the game. You play the game. I wasn't good at Twitter. Somebody in the business told me, you got to get good at it. So I was like, all right, I got good at it. And I did. I have a ton of followers. I had like 6,000 followers on Twitter. And all of a sudden, I can't get into my account, and I just see somebody's deleting all my shit. My followers are going away. And then the kink comes in. Buddy boy, wooey, whoever took this account was into some kinky shit. Now, I, now I wasn't seeing it from the inside, okay? I was uh, I was on the outside watching the guy's account. He blocked my account, but because I have other accounts on Twitter, I could follow him. And he, it was like the photo was like a, like a demon with like a goat head, like banging you know, somebody that might be dead. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know how. Like, there are like content stuff on Twitter, right? Like, they can kick off goat dead body fucker that took my account. So this dude steals my account, starts posting all this crazy sex shit. I lose my mind. I got celiac disease. Someone steals my Twitter. Look, I lost a lot of followers, and I can't eat bread. I punched a hole in the wall. That was my week. All right, that's what happened to me. I'm not proud of I'm not proud of punching a hole in the wall, everybody, but that's what I did in my house. If this was a video podcast, it would be in sight. It's right behind me. I can see it. I'm leaving it up as a memorial for my douchebaggery. I don't know what to say. I, like I said, not 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 proud. I got hacked. But then there's there's a good moral to this story, and that is I've got some good fans out there. All right. If you're listening right now and you are one of the many who reported Captain Fuckface to Twitter. I got my account back like a week later, and I did lose like 600 followers. I lost all my tweets, which sucks, but I got the followers back. I got my account back. And most importantly, this psycho is not now able to like look through my messages and DMs for eight years, which he was able to do. What's weird is like, so he got into my Twitter account, took all my shit, but then I got back into my account, which he had taken over and made his eight days later. So I then did the same thing to him. Like, I technically stole his Twitter, but it was my Twitter. So I stole my Twitter back, and I went through this guy's DMs. Holy shit. Man, some people are really just... Some people in life, they're like, what? How hard do I need to try every day to get laid? Dude, if you're trying that hard, the dude was DMing... Like 30 chicks a day on Twitter. It's a lot of anime. A lot of the ball gag matches your eyes. Not a pleasant DMing phase for a couple days. Christ, I was not enjoying it. But the fucker is out, okay? We got him out. And what I wanted to say, I wanted to thank my fans because I put out my uh, my newsletter. Sweet, sweet newsletter. EricHelwig.com. Sent seasonally and sparingly. Good luck. Jesus, enunciate, sent seasonally and sparingly. If you're listening right now and you haven't signed up, fuck you. No, I'm kidding. Uh, please sign up. Uh, I, you know, I put it out once or twice. I'll, you know, when the leaves change. I'm actually kidding. I live in LA. That that never happens. So every two months, about is when the newsletter comes out. But I put it out to my newsletter. I was like, hey, this is the account that 
is screwing me. Please report it. And I saw. I can look, I go watch on Mailchimp. I can see who goes and clicks in there. Do me a solid. Couple hundred people did that. And I got my account back. And it's cool because here's what happened. I never talked to a single person. Twitter is like the Wild West of robots. That's what It's like psycho-automated AI robots controlling your mood. That's what Twitter is, basically. Whenever something's ha- like there's a hashtag that pisses you off, a robot decided that you were going to get in a fight with your wife. That's what Twitter is. It's robots. It's robots controlling your mood. So I never spoke to a human being once, which is crazy. Like 6,000 followers is a lot to never speak to anybody when someone comes in and steals your shit and has access to all your personal stuff. By the way, this hacker tried to get into other things, but I was able to change my... I had different passwords for stuff, so he didn't get into too much. The only thing that was that really took a hit was Twitter. Spotify got my shit back right away. He locked me out of my... Spotify account, Spotify was like, yep, it's fake, boom, 20 minutes, it's done. Talk to a real person, Spotify, awesome. Crushed it. Sent him a couple screenshots, boom, I was back in. Twitter? No, Twitter was like screaming into the void beyond the brink of oblivion where people go when they die. Like, who is out there? What is it? Who's running Twitter? Jesus Christ, it's like the biggest company. It's like it literally decides who gets to be president, and there's not a fucking person that works there. Anyway, never spoke to a person. I put in the account right away. The complaints, hey, my account's compromised. Someone stole my shit. Within 24 hours, Twitter closes my case. Sorry, closed. Case closed. That's when I put the hole through the wall. Little hole through the wall action. Boom, fist, wall, hole. But then I, uh, I, I, you know, my wife, it was my wife. <laughs> my wife was just calm. First of all, she was like, don't punch the hole in the wall. But then she goes, get out to your newsletter, tell people to report it, start a new Twitter account, have people follow you there so you don't lose your name. My wife was reporting it every day as well. And so I did what my wife said. I, I went out to my mailing list. I was like, please follow me on this account and report this account. And a bunch of people followed me on the new one. Got my, got the air Kellogg handle back. A bunch of people reported the other one. And then about a week later, they were like, I just got an email from Twitter being like, re-log into your account. I took back air Kellogg, used the second one. Now I have like a backup account and got my followers back. So that was it. That was the harrowing tale of you guys are like, who the fuck cares about this? Hollywood wannabe. <laughs> I don't know what to say. This this is this is important stuff in the in the world that I live in. If anybody here works a blue collar job, they've probably blown their brains out five minutes ago. But anyway, I got my horseshit Twitter account back, and hopefully, I can keep growing it until this podcast gets really successful, and I can pay somebody else to run it. But that was my that was the big part of my week. All right, it was getting hacked, punching a hole in the wall. Feeling bad about the hole in the wall, you know, I was like, I'm back in therapy now, so I talked to the therapist about it. She was more understanding. I was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't feel that bad about it. I just got to, you know, I got to take a walk next time. Got to listen to some Enya, some Beach House, some uh, Seager Rose, Explosions in the Sky. What other bands played shitty, boring music when I was in college? Um 
Who's the chick? Who's like the uh, Bjork? I remember like everybody like says Bjork. She wore like a crazy dress, so like people know Bjork from twenty years ago. I actually tried to listen to Bjork. It sounds like turtles like shitting in a can. Like I don't even know. I'm like, what is this? It's not. Music has to have like a chorus, Bjork. Not now, Gordon. Not now, buddy. I know. Later. Gordon the dog. My dog wants some dinner right now. Maybe I'll give him some dinner. I'll do a... Maybe I'll give him some dinner. What time is it? Nah, you're still early, dude. You're like 30 minutes early. I'll get you when I'm done recording. Hey, till then, fuck off. Go go on the couch or something. Get a toy. Toy. Get a toy. Gordon, get a toy. This guy does not respect me at all. My wife's the pack leader. It's because it's because my wife says things that the dog understands. She goes like, "Sit, leave it, move." If when the dog starts misbehaving around me, I'm like, "Bro, come on! You know this is a bad time for me." I just talk to the dog like it's a person. I don't like I don't like not talking to the dog like he's just my friend. But it doesn't really help since the dog doesn't, uh, you know, speak English, right? Love you, buddy. He's being very cute. He's being very disobedient and very cute. That was my week, guys. Like I said. Hacked by a gimp. He wouldn't be a gimp. Gimp is just a funny word that ends with a p sound, so I say it a lot. But he was a dominant. And he was he was DMing submissives. You know? And that was uh so there and he was talking they were talking a lot about like consent and stuff. I actually learned a lot about the kink community <laughs> getting my account back. Because this fucker like made everything on my page about his stuff. I mean, it was crazy. It was it was it was insane. I mean I don't know why a sex hacker wants my account. I guess it just like looks good when you're trying to like impress all the chicks. You're like, hey, I got five thousand I got 5,000 uh, friends, and I'll, I'll fuck you with a double-sided dildo. I, I, don't know, I don't know what to say. This dude was into some crazy shit, and I'm not judging it. I'll say that. I'm not judging it at all. You know, In fact, you know, I've got some ideas, but I'm not judging what he does. I'm judging who he is. He's a piece of shit. And by the way, it could have been a chick. could have been a chick pretending to be a dude, right? I don't know. It was a dude. Getting my cords tangled up here. So look, enough of my week. All right, that's what I've been up to. I want to get to our one of our first bits for the show. And when we come back, we're going to talk about our boy, Bubby Brister. Huh? What a name. Bubby. Bubby Bees. We're talking Bubby Brister. Later in the show, we're going to be interviewing uh, Brendan Saglow, very funny comedian with a new album out right now that you don't want to miss. So hang out, enjoy the first of many pre-planned bits. Bring in the Backups presents Letters Home from the Bench, October 31st, 1960. Babe Perilli writes, Dearest Deirdre, how I long for you, babe. Of course, the foregoing utterance of babe bears reference to you, Deirdre. 
Having the first name Babe as a man is a confounding impediment. I've oftentimes pronounced that we require a new pet name forged afresh. Hitherto, Babe was a moniker bestowed upon men in the 1930s. At present, it's a sobriquet for lovers entwined in sexual congress. In any event, I'm a terrible quarterback in 1960. Over the course of time, I become prosperous. I know what shall come because earlier today I respired opium poppy with Tom Flores and quickly brushed the face of God. Imagine my surprise, Deirdre. God is an olden, faded, Asian song-and-dance man proffering low-quality street opium in Green Bay. Deirdre, if time is a circle, my love for you echoes inside it. Between the present and the moment we embrace, I dream of your touch. Babe. That babe was me saying my name at the end. Do you know how many men are named babe? (laughs) From like the 20s and 30s? Very common name. That's got to be tough. I mean, your name just becomes a word for, uh, you know, somebody you're fucking. I, I feel bad for the babes out there. Uh, a buddy of mine actually sent me Babe Laufenberg. Am I getting that name right? Laufenberg? Some guy that was the quarterback. He's a backup in the league for 10 years in the 80s and threw like eight passes, which is perfection. But we're not talking Babe Laufenberg or Paparelli, Paparazzo. Something that sounds like he's in one of the Italian crime families of New York. We're talking Bubby Brister. Dub bees. Bubby. Bubby has the most ridiculous southern accent I've ever heard in my life. We got to start there. And it's so hack when, like, uh, you know, every late night show's like, I want to be dumb. I'll talk like a dumb, dumb, dumb. Just do that, like, hack joke. By the way, the the next... uh, pre-planned bit is going to be me doing the exact same thing but yeah his southern accent is insane like it sounds like someone doing a terrible impression of somebody from the south but it's fun man he had a hell of a career and let's pop it up on wikipedia right now and see what my man bubby brister did number six kept his number in almost every football stop he had which i was impressed with from Louisiana, went to Tulane, transferred to, at the time, now it's, now it's uh, ULM, University of Louisiana Monroe. I know them because they're a terrible mid-conference football team, and that's my shit in college football, baby. I like them mid-conference suck fest. That's me. I don't give a shit about Alabama and Clemson. Show me a 2-6 and six Buffalo team taking on UMass. I'll watch all night. Got drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Played in Pittsburgh for seven years. Three years as a starter. That was where he got most of his stats was there. And I thought one cool thing he did. I'll give him some props here. Chuck Knoll, his last season. This would have been in 91. Tried to put in Bubby to back up, uh, mop up for Neil O'Donnell. Bubby, one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard. Listen to this. I don't mop up for anybody. Boom, he said that to Chuck Knoll. Eat shit, Chuck Knoll. That's a that's a 
That's a backup quarterback telling a Hall of Fame coach to suck his dick. I loved that. I don't mop up for anybody. Bubby coming through hard. Played all right in Pittsburgh. You know, the team didn't have a lot of success towards that towards the end of Chuck Knoll's run. But Brister was backing up for two seasons and was a starter for three. And then he kind of gets into a, 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 what do you call it, like a little battle. little battle with Neil O'Donnell. Which I like. I like. Uh, I like Neil O'Donnell too. I, just, I don't know why. He has like a cool name. Neil O'Donnell sounds like a. He sounds like an astronaut to me, right? Just because it's Neil Armstrong. This is the dumbest. Uh, I should really plan out what I'm saying more on this podcast. Gordon, I'm not going to feed you dinner, dude. It's not five o'clock yet. Knocking off. Too much racket. All right. Yeah, battled Neil O'Donnell. Loses the... Uh, Bill Cower comes in as the coach in 92, which is the last year Bubby's in Pittsburgh. Cower goes with Neil O'Donnell. Fucking dumbass Cower. Just think of how many more Super Bowls the Steelers could have won if they had stuck with Bubby Brister. The answer? Zero. It's not the point, all right? You should have stuck with my man. Love Bubby Brister. So he leaves. He goes to... Philly, baby. That's where I remember him from, 1993-1994 with the Birds. Go Birds. Holy shit, I was watching some uh, Bubby Brister highlights, and I just found, I just came upon a Week 17 Eagles-Saints. Meaningless game, huh? Saints are 7-7. Seven and seven. Eagles are 6-8. and eight. Can the Eagles win? Pull even, 7-8, and eight, and then not go to the playoffs. Week 17 against the Saints. Who do you think pulls it out, baby? Bobby Brister and the Birds. Brister played terrible. It was all defense, which is what... That was usually the case. Usually the case in the 90s for the Eagles. Man, the jerseys. Those Kelly green... Green helmets. Silver wings on the side. Bring them back. Bring them back. You know what sucks is like... Teams like the Bucks, Teams like the Eagles. They had success in their newer uniforms, right? Eagles in the midnight green. Bucks in the pewter... Bullshit, whatever whatever they're wearing now, the chrome helmet. And because of that, they won't go back to the uniforms where they were losers, okay? The Eagles were losers in their Kelly Green. The Bucks were losers in their creamsicle. But you got to go back. The Chargers did it right. Chargers went back to their jersey. Well, I guess the Chargers were better in their powder blues. It's not the point. The point is just go back to lighter. Here's the, here's the real point, all right? Let me cut myself off, which I've noticed I do a lot in editing. Just wear what you were wearing in 1988. Done. Anybody that's like, well, what should we do with... Wear what you were wearing in 1988. Every fucking movie that comes out has to be set in the 80s. Jesus Christ, we've been pretending like Hall & Oates has been a good band. Every movie can suffer from 80s nostalgia, but a football team can't just go back to their uniforms that we all miss. This one helmet rule is horseshit, right? That's what it is. The one helmet rule makes it so you can't wear the throwback color, so it makes teams not wear their throwbacks. Since 2013, it's ruining the league. It's a bigger deal than people let on. How much fucking money does Stranger Things have to make until you realize just look like you're in the 80s? You had a couple teams that haven't changed anything since the 80s, right? The Packers, the 49ers. I think that shit looks boring, though. 
What you need is like like you got a team like the Bucks where you had the creamsicle. You go to the crappy pewter. Then you get like the alarm clock numbers they had for a little bit. See, their uniforms suck so much that now when you go back to the cream school, you really appreciate it, okay? It's like having a tough life. You have a, as bad a life as possible so that the little moments that are nice, you really appreciate them. So some of these teams, right, the Broncos have like that like weird, like the dark purple, boring sleep snooze fest. Go back to the light blue helmet with a big D with a Bronco breaking through the D like he's a murderer coming through your door at night. Just go back to your old shit. Anyway, who are we talking about? Oh, Bobby Brister, that's right. He's the quarterback. Goes to the Eagles. He actually had some he had some good seasons. He's the back. He's a backup in Philly. Goes to the Jets for a year. Watched one watched one highlight with the Jets. Uh they had nice uniforms too. I don't are, is anybody expecting me to analyze something actually on this show? Hopefully nobody at this point thinks I know anything. Then he goes to the Broncos. Now, I would argue, I know people are going to say Bubby Brister's big moments are with the Steelers, right? That's where he was a starter. That's where he played playoff games in Pittsburgh. But come on. The Broncos, he had fewer starts, fewer plays, but he that's where he won the Bulls. Two Super Bulls. 97-98, right? Backing up John Elway. Loved it. He was good, man. In 98, he actually went 4-0 as a starter. He looks old as shit at that point. But, you know, he's what are you going to do? He was, football-wise. But the dude was great. I saw some video of, like, uh, uh, Terrell Davis, TD, was talking about Bubby. He's like, Bubby's my boy, but this dumbass didn't know the plays. I was like, fuck you, Terrell Davis. For, the quarterback doesn't get reps, okay? The backup doesn't get reps. So you can't have... The full playbook. You just can't. And anytime you watch a backup quarterback talk about it, they're like, yeah, the coaches come to me, and they're like, what are your plays? Pick out a couple. We'll run what you got. We'll run what you know well, because you've, you, the starter gets all the time with the first, gets all the time running it. So it's not like Bubby Brister couldn't have known the entire Denver Broncos playbook. I just hate that, man. It's like, well, why do people throw their teammates under the bus? Yeah, man, you know, when Elway's quarterback, you just got to know your stuff. But when it's Bubby, you got to know what he's doing. You got to know what the receiver's doing. It's like, yeah, that's what you do when you, like, got a new guy on the job. You don't act like that guy has no ability to learn him and learn it himself. This podcast sticks up for the backup. <laughs> that, that, is, that is what we do. Fuck you, Terrell Davis. Team Bubby all the way. Anyway, Bubby plays great with the Broncos. It's exactly what you want in a backup. Obviously, not going to challenge John Elway. But felt, and I heard him in interviews say, Bubby felt like an obligation to Elway to win games. When Elway was hurt in that 98 season, he was like, it means more to John for me not to fuck it up when I'm playing. That's a beautiful sentiment, man. That's why Nick Foles is such a great backup. Because he, he, he actually liked Carson Wentz. I, don't ask me how. How about that guy? Gone to Indianapolis. Well, I, re, I read something where they were like, Carson Wentz isn't going to be a big, uh, he's not going to be a good big city uh, quarterback. I was like, okay, get, great. Let me know when Lake Tahoe gets a team. I'm sure Carson will be able to complete a fucking screen pass at that point. Not a big city quarterback? What the? What are we doing? 
Bye, Carson. Bye. See ya. Not a big city quarterback. <laughs> Not a lot of small cities in the NFL. See any NFL teams playing in high school stadiums? Huh? Aside from ones that have been like cities where they get destroyed by floods, NFL teams don't play in small cities, all right? Dumb take. All right, so then he's with uh, he's with Denver. He loses uh, in 99, Elway retires. Just, that's Bubby's third year with the Broncos. There's a quarterback competition, right? It's Bubby or it's Brian Greasy. Who do you think they went with? Broncos go with uh, Brian Greasy. They let nepotism seep into their pores. We know what's weird is like football is the one place where nepotism doesn't work because you could put someone like put some famous guy's son in the game and he'd just get crushed. It's the best. That's why football is great. It's a meritocracy, right? As close as we're going to get. It's as fair as it gets. Yeah, so Brian Greasy uh, was not good. But that's Bubby's last year. In uh, Denver, I think he went to Kansas City. No, he went to Minnesota for a year for 2000. Uh, then 2001, he gets cut uh, from the Chiefs, retires, and then 9-11 happens. So that's what happens when you cut Bobby Brister, right? Terrorists five planes into fucking buildings. So thanks a lot, Chiefs. That's Bubby's career, man. That is quite a career. What did he, what did he go, like 15 seasons? Hell Yeah. Steelers, Eagles, Jets, Broncos, Vikings. Hell of a career. He seems like a cool dude, too. His numbers don't look bad. 81 touchdowns, 78 picks, almost 1,500 yards. Quarterback rating, 72.3. Match it up with the time. Quarterbacks had lower ratings back in the day. Did you see guys in college completing 42% of their passes getting drafted in the first round? Yeah, there he is. And then after retiring, what is he? He's, uh, does some, uh, you know, does some Fox Sports, Rocky Mountain analysts, Louisiana outdoor. It sounds like some fucking southern shit that I can't relate to. But some of you maybe can. You know, I'm not hating on it. Like I said, I think it's a little hack when people go into the whole, like, uh, you know, a southern accent, so I'm dumb thing. It's a little hack. And I'm admitting that the bit that you're going to hear here in about two minutes is uh, pretty fucking hack, too. I want to blow the bit. Let's just say I'm, I'm not going for the highest common denominator, all right? Sometimes you pick some low-hanging fruit. It's episode 13 of the podcast. I'm running out of ideas, people. Before we get to the next pre-planned bit, I do want to say something very quickly. The goddamn merch store is open. Wee-wee, baby. Merch. I got merch. There's three of you that are interested in buying some, but if you would like to, all you got to do, erichelwig.com, and go to the merch part. It just, you just scroll down until you see merch. There's also, it's, a, it's on the site. I'm doing it through this place called Bonfire, but I don't know what their address is. Just go through my website. EricHelwig.com. I got merch. You can get a coffee mug for a very reasonable $15. Who's going to... That's not... I feel like that's a solid price for a coffee mug. How about a hoodie? Huh? A, a, a nice hoodie for $48. 
that I get about $3 from when you buy and you'll be washing your car with it in two months. Huh? Sold? Deal. I'm kidding. I, I went, I, I did go with the merch store. I was like, only comfortable clothes. I do not want like some itchy, cotton, shitty, Gildan shirt. You know, isn't that what it's called? G-I-L-D-A-N, that shitty type of shirt. Jerseys. By the way, the, neither of those companies will be sponsoring the podcast <laughs> at any point in the future. I went nice shirts. I did that for you guys, okay? A little more expensive. I make a little less money. I, I lowered the price so that it's reasonable for you guys to buy. But I don't care. I just want people to actually wear the shit. Like, that's that's the idea is I want it to be a comfortable shirt you can wear around. So check out the merch, erichelwig.com for that. And I got to say, too, you know, hit me with those Apple Podcast reviews, guys. Five stars. I'm up to 117, 118, 19, somewhere around there by the time this drops. Got a bunch of reviews last week. Thank you. Appreciate it. Keep them coming. When I get to 200, you know what I'm doing. Putting on my special arches for plantar fasciitis. Going out to a track. I'm running a 40 time. I'm beating Tom Brady. Let me tell you something. I am the fattest I've ever been in my life. I'm taking Tom Brady's 40 time out. And you guys can make it happen. You want to see the video? Have me embarrass myself in front of the world? All of YouTube. (laughs) It'll have 30 views three weeks after I post it. No, whatever. It'll be funny. Uh, And I'll make sure you guys have access to it. But you got to review the podcast. Help me out review apple podcast reviews five stars let's get to our second pre-planned bit let's make it happen and then we'll uh you know we'll get out of here we're getting to our interview with uh brendan sagalo which is coming up Bobby Brister here hope y'all enjoying my podcast episode hee-haw i'm like a piglet in a mud bath listening to these yankees i hope you enjoy my name Bubby Brister, there's two B's in it. Bubby's funny, and Brister kind of sounds like Blister or Sister. There's just a lot of fun things you can do with a name like Bubby Brister, and that's why I have a new business where I name your kid for you. I haven't named the business yet, but how about right now? Bubby Brister names your baby. Hee-haw, tagline, I just named that baby. It's real simple. Naming kids is tough, but I can do it for you. Luckily for this impromptu podcast ad, my sister-in-law is sitting over at the table, and she's pregnant. Hey, Jenny. Hey, Bubby. Hey, Jenny. I'm starting a business called Bubby Brewster Names Your Baby. I know, Bubby. You're sitting three feet away and talking into your phone. So let Bubby name that baby. We're naming the baby after my mother. Is her name Bubby? No. What's the baby's last name going to be? Bubby, I'm married to your brother. Her last name will be Brewster. Ooh, halfway there. Bubby. You know what her first name should be? Let me guess. Bubby. Hello, baby Bubby Brewster. That's three Bs. Great. How much do I owe you? One dollar. Why are you handing me a dollar? That's it, folks. Come on down to Bubba Brewster Names Your Baby. We're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just message me on classmates.com. Bye-bye. Oh, how much fun was that? Liz Galalis coming in with the bit. Coming in with a little bit of help with the Vokes. You can follow uh, her on Instagram at Eric's Wife. That's at Eric's. I'm kidding. She's an earshot. I'm trying to annoy her. It's just Liz Galalis. L-I-Z-G-A-L-A-L-I-S. Follow my wife. That was a fun bit. She was like, we shot that at like midnight. She was very tired. So I was like, use it. Use it. 
Use it for the character. Use it for the for the action. We got real method on it. It was a dumb bit. I don't know what to say. I'm a little embarrassed. I'm a little embarrassed that I went southern accent. That's the whole bit. If you think I'm making up this southern accent, you got to YouTube Bubby Brister, right? I found a clip of him roasting Merrill Hodge. Hodge? Why did I say it? Hodge. Man, my D's and my G's are fucking the shit out of each other on this podcast. Merrill Hodge. No, I found a clip from 10 years ago of Bubby Brister at a roast in Pittsburgh. First off, he does well. You might remember, fans of the show, Sage Rosenfels did comedy before. Couldn't find video of that. The reviews seemed to make it pretty clear he didn't do very good. But I'm, I, there's video evidence of Bubby doing some, you know, pretty homophobic but funny material 10 years ago at a roast. I was impressed. Impressed? Impressed. God damn, we get a sip of water here. What is happening? Yeah, Bubby, uh, Bubby did a solid job. I think he might have taken an improv class or two before that roast because he seemed pretty comf with the mic. <laughs> he did good, man. I mean, look, he sounds he sounds like he sounds like he's playing a banjo in Deliverance, but he is a very interesting guy to listen to speak. By the way, he does a bunch of podcasts. I found a YouTube video of him doing a somebody's show. There's like 40 views on it. Where are people getting everybody's contact information? Like, I haven't even tried to reach out to quarterbacks for, after the first four quarterbacks wouldn't get back to me on this show. I'm like, I'm not even going to make an effort. But I, it sounds like I could get Bubby. So anybody out there that knows Bubby, you get back to me. There's a couple people that listen that actually do know some of the quarterbacks I talk to, which is crazy. But I've had people listen to the show and get back to me like, ah, what you said about J.P. Lossman is true. I'm like, really? I was making it up. So some of you might know, if anybody here knows Bubby, I want an email on my desk in the next five minutes. I'm going to hack off my own dick. Do you guys read that? Uh, I don't want to read that story. (laughs) Why would I want to talk about? Never mind. Never mind. I read a story about a dude cutting off the penis of the guy that was cheating on his with his wife <laughs> with scissors. All right, enough, enough, enough. No more. I I don't want to. I'm like upsetting myself that when I talk to a therapist, this would be called self sabotage, where I'm like, I want to be upset. I want to feel upset. This is me going to Twitter when I know I want. I need to go to bed. Let's just see if anybody has a good opinion at two thirty in the morning. I got I look, I'm busy. I don't have time to be fucking around on Twitter and getting into like shame sadness spirals. I don't. Right? Trying to get this podcast out, trying to be a comedian virtually in a goddamn pandemic, trying to look at apartments and condos in LA and buy something. We're gonna try to get a condo for the first time in my life, thirty five years old, finally getting out of the renters game, into the ownership game. Trying to learn the difference between Studio City and Reseda. I don't care, but I have to know those things now when I look at places. I have to learn about L.A. You know what I've realized is that most of my opinions of L.A. are just repressed memories of watching Entourage in 2006. Who cares what Turtle thinks about West of Sepulveda? Sepulveda? 
Dude, what is happening with my speech? Let me, let me get some more water here. Drink it closer to the microphone. It'd be a little more disgusting. I, I, man, I am dying. Just like the doctor's appointments I've had to go on in the last couple months, right? I got my celiac. I got plantar fasciitis. I got my thyroid. I've got like a dermatologist that needs to remove 58 moles every two months. Christ, I'm not that old, am I? I'm 35 years old. I don't know. When I walk by the mirror, like I'm starting to look like the hunchback. I need to, like, I need to get. I need to turn this ship around. All right. <laughs> I've gained a pandemic seventy. All right. It's time to get it moving. <laughs> Next episode's going to be live from a Peloton. Project Drivel. Hmm? My boy Tony uh, had me on his show. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Project Drivel. He spent like 20 minutes talking about Malice in the Palace on his podcast. I don't remember how it came up. I think we were just talking NBA. And so I just went to my favorite NBA moment of all time, which is, of course, Pacers and Pistons beating the shit out of their fans. And it's all the fans that sit way up close. So it's like it's the richest. Like I never get to sit that close when I go to an NBA game. So I'm like fucking wreck them. So yeah, Project Drivel, you can hear that. Uh, I posted up on my Facebook, which, uh, you know, facebook.com backslash Eric Helwig. Another one of another million places you can follow me on social media, depending on uh, whatever uh, form of social media you're addicted to. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Not on TikTok yet. Haven't gotten that sad. But who am I kidding? It's coming. Let's get our uh, third and final pre-planned bit rolling. If you want something done right, you need to do it yourself. Unless it's telling your audience how to support your podcast, because that shit gets old real quick. I think you should outsource it. And that's what I've done. Welcome to my friends and family plug my show. These are real people with real reasons why you should support me. I hope you listen. I hope you hear. And I do hope you support. Hi, I'm Gary Genoia, former guest of the show and current friend of Eric's. I don't think Eric talks about it enough, but he used to do improv. I was fortunate enough to perform with him in New York City for years, and I can honestly say he is one of the most unselfish people I've ever met. One time he walked out for the first five scenes in an improv show. In a row. He's that unselfish, you guys. A true teammate. Speaking of which, it's time for you to be a team player by writing a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on whatever platform you listen to. If it's on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and hit the notification bell. Head over to his website, erichelwig.com, for more information and headshots from 2014. That's erichelwig.com if you want to see seven-year-old headshots and learn more about all the Zoom comedy festivals he's in. Thank you, Gary. If you want to follow Gary, uh, he's on Instagram at Paradenoia, uh, and he's nowhere else. That's the only place to find him on Instagram. So uh, hit up Paradenoia. Thanks, Gary Bear. Brendan Saglow is a very funny comedian living in New York City. I remember him from my time back there. We used to do some shows. I mean, we were doing mics. This is going back to when we were both kind of starting around the same time in the city. Uh, He has a special out right now that is hilarious. Uh, If you're a fan of this podcast, you're going to love uh, his work. The album is Not Now More Than Ever. You can access it for free on Spotify. Again, not now more than ever. Brendan Sagalow is on Instagram and Twitter as well, at Brendan Sagalow, B-R-E-N-D-A-N-S-A-G-A-L-O-W. 
follow the man and enjoy the interview we had with him. It was a it was a really good time having him on the show. Yeah, mate. Well, you got a podcast, uh, which I, I listened to for research. Which one? Because I, I have two, but one of them is ending by the end of next month. I uh, listened to the Garbage Days one. Ah, uh, yeah. That's the one that's uh, – we're it's coming to an end. Oh, okay. Big, you know, big, just, big fight? So, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. We got into this huge art. No, we were just like, you know, a podcast is a business, Okay. It's a it's it's a business, and then you know after a while, if you don't see any like growth or anything, you just have to cut the fucking cord. Especially when it's sure. like we had fun doing it, but um, you know we're just like, where is this going? What are we doing? We have no segments. We're just two idiots talking. Plus, I have we have, we both have other shit around the corner. It was like let's just fucking let's just end this, dude. You know, it's hard to do that. I, we were talking about it before we started recording, but the sunken cost fallacy of once you're like 20 episodes deep, you're like, well, I might as well spend the next five years of my life trying to yeah, power make this good. Yeah. And like, I don't, I think people, I've talked to people about the growth of my podcast because I'm curious. I'm not talking with people in real life like I was before the pandemic. And I started this. So what probably would have just been conversations at clubs or whatever has become me texting someone, please tell me how many downloads I should be getting, 10 episodes. Yeah. Like, I have no idea if I'm eating shit or if this is growing in a – so even knowing is this trending in a right way is hard because you're just not – you're really not interacting with people unless you're – I don't know. I guess you are. You're skiing. So maybe <laughs> maybe uh, you're yeah. not more than I am, but well, you know, for a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I am going out and stuff. I mean, I'm not like, yeah, everybody's being safe. But like with the skiing, it was like everybody had a mask on and everything. But like once I was on the mountain, I was like, just letting it fucking come inside of me. But um, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's like our garbage days was getting like it gets about like 500 downloads or something. And I was like, and we're on episode like 74, and even that, it's very it's very. Um, discouraging because you know you hear you go oh 500 downloads okay looks like uh step aside rogan blah 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 but uh then you hear people being like no no even 10,000 is low you should be getting more than 10,000 if you want a successful podcast it should be like 80,000 downloads great well that makes me feel pretty solid about 275 <laughs> buddy 275 ain't no, you know it ain't nothing to, to squeeze at but it ain't nothing yeah i'm this you're gonna be my 12th or 13th episode or something like that so it's like okay. you don't know when you put it out you just it feels like you're just throwing it into the ether and you're like maybe somebody's liking this i would never listen to my own who the fuck is this low-level comic who gives a shit yeah, so yeah. when people are like, hey, man, I listen to your – like I've, people reach out on Twitter like funny shit. I'm like, who are you? Like what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why, that's so funny. Why did you <laughs> – Well, that that's like one of the signs that like this podcast might not last very long in your head because, <laughs> you know, 
not to like shit on it or anything, but like, so I had a podcast. The first podcast I ever did was a solo podcast that I called the stupid little podcast. And I bought all the equipment and I would just talk for an hour. And I did that for two years and I would get about 400 to 500 downloads. Same thing as garbage days. It never went up. And the whole time I was going, who would listen to this? I, I was saying that I was like, who's listening to this? I don't even know if I'd like you if you do. I'm <laughs> yawning halfway through it. It's a bad podcast. Now, the same thing kind of happened with Garbage Days where I'm like, I could get people listening to this. Like, it kind of went up in my head a little bit. I was like, me and Scott are fucking funny. I, I could get listening to this. But it's also just two fucking dudes talking. Like, how many podcasts do we need that's just like that? And then now I have this new podcast called Here's the Scenario that I do with my two best friends, Mike Cannon and Mike Feeney, and our dynamic is really good. We have a we have a structure, and we have a reason for the podcast. Like the whole podcast is just, you know, it's it's got a it's got like a theme. It's um it's like scenarios and what if questions and morality questions, and we ask each other, and we have such a good dynamic that we all. The dynamic is a character of the show, which, you know, I said once and they fucking shit on me for it. But <laughs> that is like – and I listen to that show and I go, oh, I get listening to this. I understand. Yep. This should be successful, but we'll fucking see, I guess. I got it. And now your Garbage Days podcast becomes one of my favorite things to find online, which is Abandoned Projects. It's easily, <laughs> yeah. it's always hilarious. Where like I I'll, I'll do that. I'll find podcasts and listen to the very last five minutes. With like, and we'll see you next week. And it just yeah, never yeah yeah and it never comes like, back. Well, we listening, we've already <laughs> listening well, with the knowledge that somebody already quit is I know, I know hilarious. We might say that on the last episode, but we know we had a conversation last time where we were like, all right, four more episodes and then we're done. We're gonna pay for one more month and then we're gonna feel it out and then just see what it's like but also what's really funny is the last episode we did when we because we talked about it beforehand we we're like before we get into this what do we do should this be the last episode should we do four more and, and we were just like let's just do four more and the last episode we did was so funny that it was like we were like fuck dude we were like, because like the, the weight because the weight of keep keeping doing it is gone so you're like now you feel liberated to just say whatever you yeah it's amazing yeah. It's, it's a good feeling to quit something and yeah, like, it feels really good to quit. It's like one of the best – like like one of the not, – I'm not, not getting political, but like when people are like, I don't know how anybody ever voted for Trump. I don't understand. I'm like, well, have you ever told somebody to fuck off? Because that's what – if you can't understand that feeling, like that's what people feel like. The feeling yeah. of quitting I'd put up as like, one, like right next to telling – like putting a middle finger in somebody's face. You don't – to put a lot of work into something and then be like, you know what? I'm fucking done. Yeah. Great feeling walking away from and just leaving it like an abandoned yeah. like town. I it love it. It does feel good, but you did catch me in a uh in a time where I'm having a full on um existential kind of uh, new awakening. I think Oh yeah. Call, maybe if you called me a week ago, I would say, "Man, quitting is fucking awesome." But <laughs> since the snowboarding trip that I went on, uh, I had no idea how to snowboard and I was bad at it and I wanted to quit and I kept falling and I didn't know how to get up and I just fucking I learned how to do it by perseverance and believing in myself and strength and everything and like staying present and staying egoless 
And it completely awakened me to this new process of being where I was like, wow, I can fucking do anything I put my mind to. I have the strength to do the things that I think I should have given up on. And uh, so now I would say quitting is not as fun because it's so much better to feel the feeling that high I got from being getting good at something. I got good at it because I had to and I had to stay present and I had to keep I'd fall down, get right back up. Don't let yourself fucking rest for a second because that'll make it harder. You got to get up just learning yeah. something. I completely understand why, you know, Gary Shandling started boxing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Something new to get good at. You know, we're, we've been doing comedy for so long. I don't know how long you've been doing it, but, I, you know, I've been doing it over a decade. And I'm like, I think I'm good. I have no fucking idea. But I know what I am on stage. Like, I know how to do this. But doing something new and having these new experiences was, like, oh, so awake. Like, Thoreau wrote in a book that he was, like, uh, I think he said – I'm going to butcher this completely. But he said that he, like – got rid of all of his personal belongings and moved to the woods to learn how to live off of like the woods and to learn how to live in that place. Cause he said, I wanted to learn how to live before I died. You know what I mean? And yeah, doing yeah. all these new things and this new experience and having to fucking live for yourself and find fish and, and cook and, and do all of that. It's hard. But then when you get it, you feel so fucking good about yourself that it's like a new level of self-esteem that I, I never thought I'd ever reach. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, actually, I pulled up the throw quote. It is, uh, I want to live off of the woods. That is what he – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, OK. I was like, whoa, you're so quick. No, you're I mean so look. Here's, here's what I would say. I, I still think quitting feels good. It doesn't mean you should always quit. But understanding – you have to understand the temptation of the thing you're fighting against. So it's good okay. to know, like, it will feel great if I quit, but there's a payment that happens if I continue to go. And that's how I uh, pretend like you didn't have the right point. Act like I'm adding on to what you were saying. In my stupid head, I could also say you're not quitting something. You're learning how to not do it. You know what I mean? Mm. I know, maybe that doesn't really make much sense. But isn't I, that what Edison said? Didn't he say that? Said, I think Edison was the guy that – Edison was like, I want to live off the off woods. Off the woods. I want to live off of a light bulb. <laughs> That's what he said. No, I think Edison was like, I didn't I didn't fail at making the light bulb a hundred uh, – he's like, I tried to make the light bulb a uh, hundred times and I got it on the hundredth time. But I didn't fail at making it 99 times. He's like, I just learned how to not make it or something like that. Again – Another quote that I'm butchering, but you did understand he, the point. What, what did, did Edison do anything other than uh, invent the light? I mean, I know he that, that's a big thing. I'm not like – Edison. That was Alexander Graham Bell. Wasn't Thomas Jefferson the one who fucking invented the light bulb? Who invented the, Edison, no, right? Thomas Jefferson, no. <laughs> Jefferson invented – There goes uh, all my all my legitimacy in anything I say now. <laughs> No, I think Jefferson invented uh, democracy, and then uh, I thought that was Caesar. Oh, wow. Who invented Caesar? No, because Caesar then turned it into it was him. Yeah, that he was, was like an emperor. Yeah, so I think I think I don't think it was Caesar that started democracy. I don't know, maybe like some Greek guy probably had the idea. But Fuck, we're so stupid. Yeah, no, this is this is dumb. Uh, but I know, I know Alexander Graham. But the only reason I know Alexander Graham Bell invented the phone is because I had a bit about it. That's the, oh, only, really? that's the only reason I know that's the inventor of the phone. 
What was the bit? I don't even remember. Dude, I don't even remember. I just remember the punch was like was like getting fingered by Alexander Graham Bell. And I had to Google the guy that made the phone to make the joke work. Oh, that's and, funny. And that's that's the bit that I re- that's the part of it that I remember. It's a funny it's a funny thing to picture getting getting finger banged by Alexander Graham Bell. You know, it's just you, you don't even need to know the setup or the joke to know that the punch would have been just getting fingered by someone named Alexander is all I need to get a laugh. Just getting fingered or fisted, I think, is pretty fun. Yeah. It is like a, a go-to now. Hey, f- fisted is just being fingered by all the fingers. The ultimate fingering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so glad my mom listens to the podcast. Biggest fan, by the way. You know what I found out today? I found out that uh, my mom called me and she was like, I told Siri or Alexa – to put on your podcast and it played your podcast. Wow, that's pretty fucking cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm not gonna. You know, pretend you know it's like a bit, that. a bit that I love doing. If if there are people over, and uh, where someone asks like, "Oh, who was it that invented the light bulb?" I'll go. Okay, one second. I'll go. Alexa. I go. I'll wait and I'll go. Alexa. And then I'll go. Oh, I don't have one of those. <laughs> 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 it's so fun. It kills every time. Uh, it it's kills every single time. And it's you can't even do that on stage. It's just a life bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you could try to do it on stage, but it's one of those – it's probably funnier in person, I would imagine. It only works if, A, you're at your house, and, yeah. B, you're just – it's just casual. It's just one of those that you can't even – maybe you could write into a show, but it only be it's only funny in person. You know what it is? You know what it is? It's a joke that – it's it's a bit that somebody does in their life, and it gets a laugh every time. And they go, "I bet I could be a stand up comedian because this bit works so well." And well, then they would try it on stage, and they would realize that yeah. uh, being a comedian is more than just talking. Yes, 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 and they yes, would, yes, yes. You know, to be humbled. Being being the real comic is going, "Hey, can I do this on stage?" And then going, "Nah, this wouldn't work." That's what that's what the real comic. Never, is. never, yeah, never, never trying it. Yeah, yeah, Great. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I listened to your uh, new special, by the way. Oh, th- what'd you think? What'd you think, dude? You fucking crush! Did you do that before the pandemic, or was that during? No, that was outside on a roof. Dude, the uh, well, the audio sounds amazing. That's first off. Is like the quality of it's great. But then, Thanks, man. yeah, man. I mean, I knew you were hilarious, but that fucking album is awesome. Thank you, buddy. Yes, thank you so yeah. much. And it was it was so fun to do, and I'm like, you know, still high from it, I guess. I mean, it it, it is it was like a fucking large kind of spike, and then fucking like up and then down. It's just like depression just followed it like crazy, man. But oh, you know, after- yeah, but also like I was having a couple of like act like interpersonal conflicts too, and also we're in a pandemic, so it's like. A lot of people go like, oh, you know, after you release something you or after you do something, you do feel a depression. But I was just like, no, I have reasons to be depressed. <laughs> it has nothing to do – if these yeah, things yeah. were away, I, I would be head over heels right now just into into my life. But then I had these other things. So I had to like really just – because I was like, oh, here it is. Here is the after the thing depression. And then I had to like sit there and be like, no, it's – it's not. It's it's because I, I got into a fight with this person or this girl's fucking me up. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. You, I, I know you talked about it in the specials. You're still, still rolling single. Still that's rolling kinda, single. Anybody that's single and has mm. been for the majority of this horseshit we've been going through, mm. 
anything other than depressed, I would not know. I would not understand how you're not experiencing that. I, I, I could I, say the same thing about you, Mister Fucking. Uh, what are you married? Are you married? I'm, I'm married, dude. Ew, gross. I know. <laughs> gross. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, dude, how long have you been married for? We got married, um, uh, 2019. So this is May 2019. Oh, and then, you. yeah, it was great, man. I mean, yeah, I didn't think I was gonna get married. That wasn't in the plan. I mean, my my whatever. My parents got divorced when I was 14. I was in the middle. I was like, yeah, not for me. In my head, I was like, I'll just have kids out of wedlock because I want kids and like I want like I always like the hilarious. Idea, I always like the idea of somebody just being able to leave whenever they want to leave. I don't want somebody to feel like they have to be with me when things get. I listen to married couples being like, oh yeah, the 1990s were rough for us. Remember that? And I'm like, I don't want someone to feel yeah. mad at me for a decade. I'll be just go. Yeah, go if you want to go. So yeah, yeah, there is that, but also there's the the you know the other side of it, which is like a good relationship. Yeah, you fight, you get annoyed with each other, but at the end of the day, a good relationship, um, you don't want to leave. None of you want to leave, even if you are annoyed with each other or whatever. Yeah, I feel that way about being married. I mean. Well, I'm gonna come on here and like shit on my wife and be like, I'm yeah, miserable. In, in the background, you've literally seen her walking back. Yeah, she, yeah, 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 yeah. She no longer cares when I'm recording shit. Like I used to be like, Keep it, no, don't, no cooking. Now there's like she's yelling at me to like do laundry in the middle of a fucking show. It doesn't well, you matter. You can't hear anything, so whatever she wants we, to do, she can do. We still live in a small enough place where she's just a part of every podcast at some point. That's but great. yeah, like I, to me, being married has been great but i think part of that's because i wasn't dying to do it my whole life i was really more like i was with somebody that it was important to so i got myself i went to therapy to like talk about it and deal with family stuff and then yeah now that i'm actually married i'm like oh yeah it's better like it feels right to be married yeah yeah like even the challenges that come with being in a house with no escape from somebody really for a year that come with that, man, I just, when I was single, I remember what that was like. I remember how fucking lonely I would get. Yeah. I I don't know how I would have handled a year. I would have found somebody, I would have like found like a a fuck buddy and then just been like, we just need to be. Well, hey, buddy. uh, A couple that's miserable for a year until it's over. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I haven't been, uh, you know, I haven't been keeping this thing dry, but, uh, you know, I, I actually, I, I, uh, I broke up with my girlfriend in February, like last February. Oh, really? Before all of this. And, uh, before I even knew what was coming and shit, you know what I mean? It wasn't even like, Ooh, there's something a brewing or whatever. And for the first couple of months, you know, I, I grieved on that relationship as a five year relationship. I, I grieved on it for like six months to seven months, eight months, who knows? And, there was a couple of months in there, like maybe the first or second where I was like, damn, this would be really nice to be with her during. Yeah. But then I was like thinking we were fighting all the time. So yeah. being trapped in this with someone that you were fighting with all the time, the, someone with that you're, you're both no longer happy together with, like she, I don't. I know she wasn't happy with me towards the end. I know I wasn't happy with her. So, being with that, I was like, "Wow, what a fucking godsend!" Thank God we did it when we did it. Thank God we ended this before all of this uh, bullshit. You know, I had a uh, I had a buddy who was in a really bad relationship 
in the pandemic. And he came over to do the podcast safely. We were six feet away. <laughs> I got to say shit so that they don't come for me. I don't care. Okay, good. You could, perfect. Be, you could be open mouth kissing a homeless person. I don't care. Yeah, I fucked my friend after the podcast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, he was, he Is was that the big... reward for doing this podcast? <laughs> Buddy, yeah. We'll keep it, Birch. <laughs> um, so the point is okay. we drove home to see our families on the East Coast in December. I left a key in a lock box out from I was like, when you break up, you can come just stay here. Like, because I've been in that relationship where there's just feels like there's no escape. Yeah. And that was before a pandemic. I think the worst position you could be in would be to have been in a bad relationship when this started. And I mean, I, the whole thing, who knows? It's it's all about like, you know, it, who knows what would have happened? Who know it might have worked out for some? It's 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 pointless to even think about. But yeah. you know, I also have so much trouble in just that area completely. I'm always either like, you know, falling for somebody that I can't get, or I'm or I fall for someone and and then you know they fuck me in some way, or I'm just using women, you know, for whatever yeah. reason, and then they get attached. And it's I'm I'm never this is never fucking easy. And uh, you just kind of – for me, I'm like I just have to fucking accept this. My The hardest part for me in these interpersonal romantic relationships is learning when to just fucking walk away. You know what I mean? I'm always sure. staying so long in these things that I'm like, no, maybe it can turn around. You know, I always – when I really like somebody – I, I, I stick around and like even when you feel it, man, you know when you feel it when you're like this is done. I, I I'm like, well, let me see. Maybe we can maybe we can bring back that old, you know, give a little like fucking one of those shocky things to this. And hi, I know what you're thinking. Anytime this soft music plays, it means there's been a technical difficulty and. I'm playing calming music so I don't lose my shit. This time, the Squadcast audio started to sound like crap, so I had to switch to the backup audio. Some of you may notice that the backup audio sounds even better than the Squadcast audio. So why transition at all? Well, that's because I forgot to hit record on the backup audio until five minutes in. And if you're wondering if that pisses me off, I think you probably know the answer, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to listen to the music and breathe. A deep breath in and a deep breath out. We'll get back to the podcast in just a moment. Funnily enough, you'll hear Brendan tell me I need to meditate because this week I punched a hole in the wall, which is something a 16-year-old boy does when he's all backed up with jizz and doesn't know what to do with his feelings. After recording the interview with Brendan, I had a couple other things that made me mad this week. I got in a traffic thing. Instead of yelling, I put on Beach House. Do you guys know the band Beach House? It sounds like two bitches singing at a lesbian Viking funeral. Just breathe. Just 
give a little like fucking one of those shocky things to this and it when it needs a shocky thing in the first like three years that it's what's it gonna look like 30 years six months dude fucking sometimes you know and you just go like especially when you're not you know when you're like dating someone but you're not like together or labeling it or anything and then you get to that crossroads and you're like uh fuck what the what is this and now all these feelings are on the line and and if it doesn't work out the way you want it to, there's a part of me that's like, man, if I could just bring it back to the time when we were first dating, where it was, yeah, we're yeah. nothing, and I don't care about you, and you don't care about me, but we like each other, and blah 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 blah, and feelings aren't on the fucking line, and then, uh, and then once once you have that, what are we conversation, it all goes to shit, yeah. unless it works out. Yeah, I I always struggled with the casual part of hooking up with people. I think that was like the Catholic casual sex is bad. I'm dating somebody, but somebody else likes me. Like, can I can I fuck? Can I fuck them? Can I fuck two people? I think some people are like, "Ooh, it's fun when you don't." It was torture for me. I couldn't wait to have the conversation of what are we? I wanted someone to be like, "You mean nothing to me? I'm banging other people." I'd be like, "Perfect." I, I I didn't like any of the ambiguity that ran in that that phase that a lot of people look at like the magic hour where the field of dreams 15 minutes where he plays catch with his dad it's the perfect time when people yeah. are just like each other and are banging and there's no attachments yeah. that used to drive me insane I love that magic hour man I fucking love it I I live for that magic hour <laughs> and then it just all goes to shit dude I don't know what happens it's like it just I don't understand what the fuck happens it just all falls apart at some point you know? How how old are you? I'm 29. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, you're, you're uh, I'm a young young, young whippersnapper. That. Yeah, look, you know, I uh, I know that there's so much more to my life than the troubles that I have now. I know that you know, at the end of the day, it, all I have is this present moment and and whatever. Like, what's the fucking what's the thing? Yesterday is a is history. Tomorrow's a mystery, and today's a gift, and that's why we call it the present. You know, that's yeah, a fucking comedically. If you had a heart attack right now, I, I would leave it in the pot. It would I be mean, perfect. it, w- it, it would, would be. be I mean, the most perfect time in the world. <laughs> I, I my only my only regret would be having the heart attack on this pot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that would be that would be bad. You should if you're going to have a podcast to die on, you should die on the last episode of Garbage Days. That would oh, probably. Days. Yeah, yeah. And then Scott blows his brains out because <laughs> he because he, he doesn't have me anymore. But it's, you know. With, with anything, I have like this, uh, me, you know, talking about me for a second. I just, uh, it's hard for me to articulate my feelings because, as, you know, as a human, we're so fickle. I don't know what the fuck I want when, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm proposed with what do you want? I can never answer the question because I never fucking know. And then it takes me a couple days, but that's all, that's actually therapy. Without therapy, it would have, I would never know what I want, but I'm trying to get as close to knowing what the fuck I want in that moment and being able to achieve it with assertion and confidence, but also, you know, this mindfulness at the same time, you know, and without therapy, you know, I'm still fucking, you know, I'm still so, I just had a thing where I was like, oh no, this is what I want. And then the next day I called her and I was like, I don't want that. I don't, the thing I said, I don't want. And then the next day I was like, ah, shit, I I think that is what I wanted. (laughs) When did you, when did you start going to therapy? Uh, three, four years ago, I think. So yeah, I, I, I didn't go till I was 28 and I, mm-hmm. by the time I went, I was like, I felt like I was crawling in. Like I couldn't go like another day without talking with somebody. 
But like, I I, I I really waited as long as I could. I was actually talking to a friend about it the other day who has needed to go to therapy for his whole life. He's had a very traumatic life, but he's got that yeah. like, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a pussy, man. Like therapy's for pussies. Like he had that mentality. 2021. I know, I mean, man. Well, he's starting to break that down. And the way, the way I said it to him on the phone is I was like, I was like, nobody else is keeping score of how tough you are for not going to therapy. Like every, all your friends are yeah. married playing with their kids while you pat yourself on the back for not being a pussy and, and suffer through loneliness. So like, just go like no one, yeah. no one else is, no one else is giving you points for not going. It's just you in your head talking yourself out of something that's going to help. Dude. Yeah. The hardest part of therapy is thinking that this person gives a fuck what you're saying and like still yeah. going and like, cause every once in a while I just go to like, I think to, about my therapist. And I'm like, you don't give a fuck about me or what I'm saying. This is a, a transaction for you, but he actually really is a good guy. So Everyone, you know, I I do like go. Oh, that's not true. Blah blah blah. But I also I'm like, I don't give a fuck. You know, like I, yeah. you know, I I I think today he did though. I, I I therapy today and I went fucking crazy on him and I was just like, and then this happened and then that and this whole fucking thing and he, you know, and he's just like, that's great. But he was really listening. He was like, go on, go on. I was like, wow, you've never cared. You never cared like this. He's never asked me to go on. You that's know? nice. I, I had a moment, so I had, to, I had to start with a new therapist, uh, so I just had, like, my second session uh, with her, and I got really, I got hacked on Twitter this week. Um, what? Yeah, we don't got, I mean, some, I had, like, I was up to, like, 6,000 followers, somebody, some sex pervert hacked my account, deleted all my tweets from, like, seven years uh, and started probably po- a good thing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he did, he did, a, bunch of work that, <laughs> he did no. a bunch of work that we all as comics have to do at some point. He well, he what he also did is he, he also unfollowed every single person I was following, Jesus which Christ. yeah. So like I was I was watching my followers like tick down a hundred every day, oh my and God. Uh, why was he doing this? I don't know. I, I think because he well, I now I got back into my account like because I sent out I have a newsletter. And okay. I was like, please report this account. Enough people reported it to where they just – I never spoke with a human being at Twitter. They just eventually sent me an email to reset my password. Oh my so I got back in and had to delete all of his shit and then go through all of his <laughs> direct messages. So I, he was just trying to get fucked. And I think having 6,000 followers looked good to like the, the, kink, the kink community that he was in. That's, I think that's what was happening. But he the, didn't even go into the double digit thousands. I don't know. Well, what be, probably fuck? because honestly, I was like six thousand would be perfect to hack because if you hack somebody with like twenty or thirty thousand followers, it's going to get flagged a shit ton. And if you then there's no point in hacking somebody with five hundred. But somebody like right in that right. like middle point where it's like it's not really enough people to have like an outrage or like oh no this person's gone off Twitter. I think that range is perfect to hack someone. But anyway, the point was is I, I put my fist through a wall uh, the second night of getting hacked. And then wow, – uh, Like literally put your fist yeah, through like, a wall? Yeah, like you can see it. Oh, my God. My You're fr- like fucking Adam Driver in Marriage yeah, Story. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah, – I'm not, Every day I wake up and I hope you're dead. <laughs> I hope you're fucking – yeah, I'm not, I'm, not proud of the, I'm not proud of the fist in the wall, but I did it. And then I was going into therapy being like, oh, man, I'm going to have to like really confront my anger and like all this shit. 
And I told my therapist what had happened that week, and I was like, I put a fist in the wall. I did the little pan over and showed her what I did, and she was like, well, that's understandable. Yeah. I was like, oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. It's always nice when like it's always nice when they're they're easier on you than you think they're gonna be. Yeah. Do you uh do you meditate, dude? I did after I put a fist through the wall. My wife was like, You're never doing that again. So then I put on like yeah, fucking Enya for twenty minutes and just laid down. Is that meditating? Yeah. Uh no, but <laughs> I know, tried I, I tried, I tried. But like the active uh, you know, the 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 active uh what am I trying to say here? Trying to actually meditate, like sitting there and breathing and paying attention to your breaths and, and not being ashamed of your thoughts or your feelings, but letting them go by and examining them. That's something that I've been uh, really practicing wow. lately, and it's just been, it's been great. It's I'll, been so fucking good. Can I tell you what I, I – I'll tell you what I did. Um, I can't remember where I heard this. He was talking about meditation for kids. And what they do is like kids will lay down and then they'll put like a beanie baby or some stuffed animal on their stomach and just okay. watch when they breathe. The It goes yeah. up and down, tap into their breath without yeah. being too on the nose with it. And so I actually did that. <laughs> I you put on a beanie baby. I, it wasn't a beanie baby, <laughs> but I have a, uh, I have a stuffed Ninja Turtle. Okay. <laughs> From when I was a kid, I put it on my stomach and I listened to calming music and I watched Raphael rise and yeah. fall on my belly. You know, for if minutes. I was your wife, I would <laughs> prefer you punch holes in the wall <laughs> than have a stuffed Ninja Turtle at, at whatever age you are, 49 or however you're old. Oh How old God. are you? I'm 35. 35, yeah, I figured. Yeah, f- um, did you guess 49? Yeah, I was just kidding. <laughs> I got called old recently by a fucking 22-year-old. Like, this chick was like, you're an old person. I was like, oh, whatever. Anyway, dude, but, you, are, um, you are so not, but... I know, I'm not at all. But, uh, yeah. I mean, look at this skin. Come on. Look at that. Are you Irish? But, uh, is that what that is? I'm Irish, yeah. I think that's what this is. I think that's why I have good skin. But also, I, I have fucking eczema at the wazoo. So Ooh, baby. What are you going to do? But, um, yeah, man, the meditation of, like, that's exactly what it is. I mean, I would I would sit up, but, like, and I practice it every once. You know, I, I meditate every day. I'm going to meditate after this. And then, um, but there are some times when you're just – not even in times of anxiety or times of – it does help with this stuff. But just like, you know, say you're walking to the store or you're just waiting in line or you're on the subway or whatever the fuck. And you just start – like close your eyes and just pay attention to your breaths and like pay attention to the drinking of the breath and then the outward of it. And just doing that has made me – my ability to be present in the moment has skyrocketed since I've been doing this because anytime you start future tripping, you just start thinking, doing this. And I'm just, I just start going like, no, I'm here in this moment. Whatever I'm feeling is this moment. It will fade. It will pass. If I'm happy, it'll pass. If I'm sad, it'll pass, you know, but I'm here right now, which is the most important thing. The most, yeah. I mean, this is, this is all, this is the most, I've ever gleaned uh, emotionally from a conversation with the word cunt in somebody's name below. <laughs> literally labeled yourself Cunto. Fucking... You literally labeled yourself Cunt O'Brien in our Squadcast <laughs> chat, and then you're like, it, "You gotta breathe in the moment, well, Eric." Look, dude, look, it's like it's like 
you know, we've both been doing comedy so long. How many podcasts can you do where the people are zipping and zapping with each other? It makes me fucking sick. <laughs> if I have to fucking joke around with someone for every minute for an hour. It's, I'm going to yes. lose my mind. And also people listening, who gives a fuck? Just two guys being like, oh, remember UCB? Oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> so I try to actually, you know, I like talking about this stuff. It I do. Me, uh, Dude, I do too, good. man. And I... I, I was struggling in the beginning of the podcast to be, because the podcast is about backup quarter. I mean, your guy's Bubby Brister. We haven't mentioned him once. I don't give a shit. But in the beginning, I was like, oh, I should get like guests who like sports so that like it fits in. And then I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't, I think it's more interesting to have conversations where like we we'll fucking talk about whatever. And if somebody, I don't give a shit about it, like having to fit into a certain, it has to look a certain way every time I talk to somebody. Like, yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. And also, you couldn't have picked the worst person to try and talk sports with. I know nothing, and, I, <laughs> and I'm and i done caring. You're proud. I'm an adult. I'm a gr- grown man. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about sports anymore. That's good. Or that, even trying. Like, I used to try. In my early 20s, I would be like, yeah, this guy's a real bum, huh? Like, I would say shit like that where I'm yeah, like, yeah. they got to do defense here, man, <laughs> you know? And I'd just be like, what the fuck is wrong with me? I don't give a shit about this. <laughs> I don't care. I'm not phased by it at all. Yeah. You know? It's just – that's just not like a – I understand liking sports. Like, I understand, like, the uh, – just everything about it. But I, I'm just like, I don't fucking care. I like I like different things. I'm more like a – I'm like I'm like a homo, dude. I like fucking like art and shit. Like, <laughs> I like you know gay I mean? shit, like art. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I like I like uh, I like gay shit too. I just I think the thing I like about sports the most, if I'm getting away from you know like the the colors and like you know my da- like I moved around a lot when I was a kid, but my dad was from Philly, so a lot of sports comes with like it's the thing I can talk to my dad about and not get mad at him or start fighting five minutes totally. in. I know a lot of it comes from that, but if I'm just looking at at it like on a purely what is appealing about this as a human to watch, it's the most fair society gets. We play this game, there's a set of rules, and at the end, this person wins and this person loses based on the number of points they accumulated. Yeah. And it's yeah. why sports that with ties like soccer fucking suck. Because you're like, what well, well then why was I even watching it? Like the my whole life is gonna be it's not black and white. It's gray. It's it's ambiguity. It's oh, I think something good's happened for the country, but there's unintended consequences, and now they're bad. Fuck that. Sports. It's like Tom Brady wins. <laughs> this guy loses. End of yeah. story. Eat shit. See you next year. Totally. And it's that same feeling that I was talking about when I was learning to snowboard, where it was like this is so black and white. There's no gray here. I there's no there's no ego because. I can't lie and say I'm good at this I because I obviously am not. You have to know exactly where you stand, and that's, I think, the connection of, that's, of sports that you're talking about. Yeah. You know? Snowboarding, by the way, is vastly superior to skiing. Yeah, it's, it's so much fun. I had yeah. so much fun doing it. It's great. And I would love to go again you know, and just get better and go faster. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. I always, what I found easy about learning, not easy, is difficult to learn how to snowboard, but I found it way easier to just like go slow down the mountain on a snowboard than to slow myself on skis. Like I feel yeah. like, I feel like the, the starting point for snowboarding is you just lean back a little bit more than you normally would and you can, you can get down the mountain quicker and yeah. get more reps actually moving on the, on the board. 
With skiing, yeah. I'm like, I always just felt like oh, I'm just going fast right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm already a Kennedy five seconds into it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, and also with snowboarding, it's like you have to you have to really fuel your body. You have to become, like, in with your body because, like, yeah, yeah. you can go down, like, where the board is like this and, like, you can go slow and, and pace yourself and everything, but my quads start fucking burning trying to do that. So I have to turn to like give them some time, you know, so I could stand up yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. Ooh, ooh, and then come back and then do all this fucking shit. You know, I was doing shit that I, I, I an hour ago would have, I would have been like, there's no way I can pull this off. I thought I was going to die. I like the first time I went down the mountain, I went right into a fucking tree, like sunny, you know, sunny and shares sunny. Yeah. You know, sunny Bono. Is that his name? Sonny Bono. Yeah. yeah. So I, I said I, that like I was deeply offended. Like, how dare you? Sonny Bono? Yeah. Sonny so I was Bono. like, you know, I'm just kind of rambling at this point, but it, it, it really just felt good. And, you know, and then the next day, I was still so proud of myself. I was still walking with a little bit of a smile, you know, and then I, I was thinking, I was like, wow, I feel really good. And I know this is also going to pass. So it, it's, it made me just incredibly more uh, zen and present, I think. Dude, I you're making it sound like I gotta meditate. If this is really how you're feeling while you're snowboarding, I mean, buddy, uh, get headspace, get calm, do, yeah. do a fucking. Even if you're not like, I'll I'll send you something right now. Let's see if I can fucking. Can I put something in the chat here? Yeah. I just sent this to somebody. I think if this might be. I don't know what this is. If that's a YouTube, yeah. So that is a that is a playlist of like ten or twelve free daily meditations that are only ten to. 12 minutes just do that just do that do every single one see how you feel and then just if 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 you're not a better person or like if you if you don't feel more better more better if you don't feel better then um then i'll go fucking i'll kill myself (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm literally saving it into my uh my youtube playlist right now yeah yeah thanks man i hope that's the right one but that's what made i was like it's it's actually just like a slayer (laughs) playlist yeah, yeah, yeah. You're putting it right now. I used to do a joke about how I was trying to do a daily meditation off uh, off uh, YouTube, but I kept the the play next video feature on, and I forgot that I put uh, "Who Let the Dogs Out" by Baja Men in the queue. So it was like right after it was like, and that was your daily calm. We'll see you tomorrow. And then I was like, "Who let the dogs out?" It's nice, man. You know, you were when you were talking about uh, the feeling of learning how to snowboard and like I couldn't have done that an hour before but now I was doing it it reminded me uh not to talk about improv because you mentioned now people talking about that shit all the time I do too so I I taught improv I got really good at improv in my 20s great use of time highly recommended for everybody (laughs) take something you could get everything you need in two years stretch it out into a decade Uh, yeah so I was teaching improv for a long time and as soon as I started teaching it that became so much more fun than doing it because I was teaching beginners, so it would be like a fucking firefighter and an actor and, like, a guy that wants to, like, run for office in Queens. And they're all, like, playing, like, patty cakes with each other in class. And you would literally watch in beginner classes people be like, I cannot do what you're asking me to do. Like, I'm Whoa. I'm just like, get up. I'm going to give you a suggestion. You're going to just do a monologue from your life for 30 seconds. And they're like, I cannot do that. Yeah, like, people start sweating. I had people – people would cry, like – and then literally what? like t- two weeks later, they're just doing it and they don't even realize they're doing it. I'm watching them do it and I just go, hey, do you remember two weeks ago when you said like 
like you'd rather die than do a stupid exercise. And now you're fucking pretending to be the king of Siam and like whatever stupid scene you were doing. And they're like, Oh yeah, I guess I, I, but but like getting people in that mode of constantly discovering you can do the thing that you're saying you can't do. You just have to push yourself and stick with it. Like, it's like one of the most rewarding experiences of my life was watching so many people do that over the years with improv. Yeah. But yeah, yeah like dude, it's a good, I, it's a good lesson for anybody that's trying to learn a new skill, which is like, it's completely underrated. Like I never realized how much like, you know, you, we read stupid quotes all the time online that are always like, you know, uh, only, only when you're fearless, can you be completely, can you be successful or something? And I'm always like, yeah, suck my dick, whatever. But then after learning this thing and having this experience and, and finding the strength in myself and being fearless, it took being fearless to get good at this thing. And I'm not saying that I'm like Sean White or anything, but I'm just saying like, I, it, it took being fearless and, and that's something that I want to bring to every aspect of my life. It's very cool, man. I actually, uh, there's a comic out here who was in the X games as a snowboarder. Well, cool. Yeah. He, he like, fa- I found that out after he had done my show and I was like, dude, you should have told me that that would have been your credit was like 20 years ago. You were in the X games. And then he was like, well, I wasn't on the, uh, he was like, I wasn't on the TV. I just like competed in the event, but they cut it out of the broadcast. So, so his credit would have been like, you were in the X games, but only if you were at the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. One of the people behind that's, the little barrier. That's better than most people. It's better than, of, yeah, it's better than, uh, AGT and my podcast, which have been my credits yeah, for my, I mean, my, my credit was MTV for four years. And then I, I was like, I think I've grown out of this. <laughs> credit which which that was my credit too what was your did you do the the storytelling cartoon no i i wrote for a show called joking off which was this uh, oh yeah improv uh with an audience kind of young whose line kind of thing and it was my first writing gig and i i thoroughly enjoyed working there i would have fucking i don't know i probably would have done really great on the show but I was also like, this is not for me. It was like, it's inspired by and Out. So it's like a bunch of people being like, yo, you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, oh gross. I'd rather be a writer. They're like, we, we need but, an Irish guy on here. To- yeah. Well, dude, I auditioned for the show and they were like, you didn't make the cut, but if you want to be a writer, we need that. And it was great. Yeah. It was like six fucking grand to, to, to write on it. And, uh, you know, it was a really fun time and, and whatever. But that was my credit for so long. And now I'm like, you know, when people go, what do you want me to say? I go, what do you know about me? Just talk, whatever. Just say from your heart. You can say I'm a funny guy. If you need something, I just put an album out. And then you can say that. Whatever. Yeah, that's – well, the last three comics I've, I've had on my show all just put out albums, like their first – well, no, no, I guess Liz – Oh, wow. I guess Liz Mealy has two, but yours yeah. first, and then I had Sandy Danto who did his. And I've said the same thing to all of them. I'm like, you have the thing. Like, of all the credits that anybody can have, you have the best one, which is, like, it's fucking me doing stand-up yeah. for an hour. Yeah, yeah Who yeah. gives a fuck what I did on MTV for five seconds that some 16-year-old chick in college saw at 3 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, also, none of it matters. Yes. No one cares. No one cares. If you're nobody and no one recognizes you, nobody's listening to your credits. And yes. if you are someone, they're not listening to your credits. They're listening to your name. And if they don't recognize it, they don't give a shit. Yeah. They, they'll listen. Audience members are great and they love comedy, but like, 
if you're if 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 the person who goes up doesn't just go, ladies and gentlemen, your next comic, very funny. You'll probably know him, Chris Ra. You know, <laughs> unless it's that, they don't care. And no he, everybody tunes out immediately. Not not Chris Rock, but I when I was uh, one of the clubs I got to do in New York was Gotham a lot, and so there'd be huge comics that would come on shows, obviously. And even like even when Chris Ra, people like that come on, <laughs> yeah. they get like a minute, and then if they're if they if they suck, the audience lets them know that they suck too. Like even yeah. their credit doesn't get you that yeah. much. Well, because an audience people love to be able to have that story of. You know, oh, I saw Chris Rock at Gotham and he fucking sucked. People <laughs> want to be negative. They want yeah, yeah. their stories to be filled with negativity. I don't know what it is. I don't get it. It's so much easier to be positive, I guess, than it is to because doesn't it hurt? Doesn't it hurt to say something like that? I, I, I fucking I hate that. But people love to have that story because what's the other story? Hey, I saw. Oh, I was at Gotham and Chris Rock walked in and he fucking murdered. Where's the story in that? It's a good story for us. We love to get yeah, that yeah. shit. But if you're at a fucking party and you're eating little, uh, you know, cheese cubes with little fucking toothpicks in them, and you're talking to some other douchebag, you're going, "Yeah, I saw Chris Rock. Not that good live." And you look like a, you look like intelligent for some reason. Yeah, people it's- love, people love. I was talking about. I'll sorry, I'll let you you'll go. But like, I this pertains to this is that I think everybody has that gene in them to want to express themselves some way whether it be artistically or verbally in some way and most people do not have what it takes to chase after a dream or whatever you know I, i'm starting to sound like a douchebag here but um so i think that's why most people express themselves through arguments online that's why they like doing that people love being shitty online because that's their expression of self you know what i mean yeah i mean i disagree I, I'll, I'll disagree with you Okay. Yeah. Well, then goodbye. Yeah, yeah, you fuck. We are actually running low on time, but I'll quickly disagree with you and not give you a chance to rebut. So, <laughs> so no, like, like I think I think the way a lot of people respond on respond online is because we're not evolved to be online. Like I don't think okay. we're supposed to know more than 80 people. And I do think that people I agree with you in the fact that like I think everybody's looking, everybody's yearning for a way to express themselves. I just think that the things that we value as a society as far as expression go are like actors, movies, somewhere down that list is comedians. But like the guy that works in fucking Nebraska and he's the best car mechanic in Nebraska and like whatever the fucking problem is, you bring your car to this guy and you're driving away in eight hours because he was able to fix your overheated engine block. This is where I try to sound like a man and I'm not. I don't know how you fix cars. But whatever <laughs> hey, he does... I, don't, you, I totally was following. I didn't even realize that you were saying something that doesn't exist. Whatever, whatever, whatever it is that lets him fix cars, that is his... I do believe that that is an expression of himself. Like, that's a trade that he mastered that got good at. It's just not seen in the same way of other people expressing their art. I kind of view all the digital hate... As like, I I mean, look, everybody's got good and evil in them, but I just think all of that media, the fact you can be anonymous on YouTube and just fucking shit on everything, I think it's just, it's harder to access that positive part of you through the the lens that people have, 
anger, resentment. Yeah. Those are those are the surface things, and you have to go deeper to find like the yeah. true vulnerability you know that motivates it. You know? Yeah, you're right. It is easier to be negative when you're criticizing something and everything. Yeah. But I honestly think it is easier to be nice. I think it's I think it's easier when you're like right now we're just being nice to each other and yeah. it's, and it's super fucking easy. Like it's hard to get yourself into conflict especially like when you don't you know want to. But I, I it is easier to criticize something. It is easier to pick it apart and like and then just roll cuz that does just roll off people's tongues. Everybody's always like man sucked. That's awful. Sucked. Blah, blah, blah. Well, what's the thing they say like if you have a positive experience if you have a positive experience with like a restaurant, ten times you'll tell one person. If you have a negative experience at a restaurant one time, you'll tell a hundred people. Yeah, online is just true. the viral explosion of. It's so much easier to default to that, especially when you don't have to put your fucking face behind it. You can of just course. you can just be like, Rah. yeah, just a picture of your fucking Ford truck. Yeah, you know? try to be mean to somebody's face. Be, be mean, yeah. be mean to somebody's face, and watch them get like insecure and nervous, and like have to live in that moment with them after you say something shitty. You, people don't fucking do that. But people don't realize it, man. They 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 don't think what they're doing is that hurtful. You know, like if you still talk to any, if you have any unintelligent civilian friends, you know, there's a difference between intelligent people that understand that don't work in the arts like we do. Yeah. But if you have someone who's just like a fucking regular Joe Schmo. After doing 10 years of stand-up comedy, I've realized how fucking negative they are about people they don't fucking know. You know what I mean? They have a friend who's yeah. like super into podcasts and he's like, oh, yeah, but, you know, fucking Andrew Santino is not really that fucking good. And I'm like, I don't know that guy, but I know what that life is like. And uh, yeah. I, I'm sure it's it's you have no fucking idea. You have no place to say what you're saying. And they're just like, Bleh. like no one no one gets how big of a deal it really is to shit on somebody that like that. Or yeah, or you know. it's it's shitting on anything that you don't have an understanding of. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say the other, the other thing you were like, people don't know how much they're hurting you. I did a YouTube video. This is like eight years ago, where I was dressed up in a a onesie gold uh, unitard up to my fate. I was the snitch ball okay. from Harry Potter. Okay, and well, whatever uh, you got, you deserve for that. <laughs> I have no uh, defense for the things I said yes to while I was in the improv community. It was a lot of yes and. and So the video comes out. There's like 13 views on YouTube, and there's one comment. And the one comment is just, who's the fat guy in the gold suit? And I think about that comment once a week for fucking eight years. I'm like, that, <laughs> that got me so... Cause I'm like, I'm the gym. <laughs> Wait, what? Did that put you in the, get you to the gym? Fuck yeah, it got me in the gym, dude, which has all gone away in the last year. But like, yeah, yeah dude, it was, I, I'm in, I'm embarrassed at how often I think about who's the fat guy in the, in the gold suit. Buddy, these comments get to us, man. They don't, they don't realize how, uh, how easily we see them. We see them. We see, always oh, do Big famous comedians see their comments, yeah, and we see them more than ever because we're nobodies. So it's like you know that's 
that's I turned off all the notifications on bull on everything. So I don't see anything. If I tweet something, I'll wait a couple hours. I'll check to see how it did. If it has all these comments, I don't even read it because it's like what a waste of time. But when I had the notifications on, I would do, uh, you know, I would tweet something. Oh, man, there's so many different kinds of milks. And then someone would tweet back at me. Yeah, because you're a fat idiot. And then I would see it immediately and I would cry. Yeah, you don't need that milk so, anymore. No, yeah, that's no baby. Yeah, that uh, it's brutal. All right, man. Look, uh, I, we said an hour. I don't want to keep you over time. And you said you have to meditate. So yes, I want to. Yes. I want to check out that fucking playlist, man. And if you don't like it, then whatever. Who cares? But it's uh, it's. I think it'll get you kickstarted. I will. Seems I, like you need it. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. You're that is my fucking. Yeah. I told my sister. She was like, "What are you sixteen? I was like, "Yeah. I, I don't know what to say. Like, it was. I had a lot of followers. Yeah, it's a yeah, lot of followers yeah. to lose. Hey, man, take that Fred Durst hat and throw it away. <laughs> yeah, was, you know, now that I'm thinking, I was I was meditating to to break stuff, so that was probably <laughs> why. Yeah, it was just one of those days, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I love a good Fred Durst uh, reference to end a fucking. Po- I I feel like I should give you something of use before we sign off, but I, I don't have it right currently. Hey, you, so you did Com- companionship for an hour. There you go, buddy. Well, look, thanks for doing the show and. Uh, yeah, man, it was uh, it was good having you. Yeah, and follow me on Twitter and Instagram, everybody, and don't say mean shit. Thanks for listening to this free episode. To help me keep more episodes coming, here's how you can support the show. Go to erichelwig.com where you can follow my social media, join my newsletter, and check out my merch store. Wherever you're listening, make sure to subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show five stars. Lastly, my Patreon page is coming in 2021. If you're interested, email erichelwigcomedy at gmail.com to join the waitlist. Future members at the $5 a month level will get weekly episodes, tickets to my stand-up, merch giveaways, bonus content from my other comedy projects, and more. Again, just email erichelwigcomedy at gmail.com and join the waitlist.